0: Hey guys, welcome back. You're listening with Sam and Renee and we are your everyday educators here at Simmels. Sitting in our mobile studio, it is pouring in <laughs> Sydney today so don't mind us if you hear a bit of rain in the background. Hopefully you can still get a bit of an idea of what what how we're it saying. is working on yep. the weekends <laughs> in a car. So uh, this week we're actually answering questions from you guys. We've had... You know, over the months, a few people sort of get in touch with us and ask for our ideas and feedbacks
1: in a few situations at work. So we thought that we would do this podcast about you guys. Yeah. So let's get into it. Sounds good. So Sam, Steph in New South Wales asks, how do you stay organised as an educational leader? Ooh. I know, we have four <laughs> classrooms and I find it difficult managing everything with only two hours non-contact time a week.
0: Oi, oi, oi! It's hard. I think, look, stepping into this role, it is such a big responsibility. You have to work really closely with educators and the director. So you do have to have some sort of organisation skill mm. behind you. Uh, one thing that I've found has really helped me is having a teacher binder and we mentioned it briefly in last week's uh podcast and i chat about it all the time to whoever i work with Mm. i've always carried around a folder whether i'm a room leader and now obviously as ed leader and inside the folder i put things like a calendar my job description so that i can constantly go back and you know remind myself about exactly what my role is uh checklists helpful links um The Ed Leader Guide that a sequa released not too long ago. Oh, which is like a Bible. Yeah. So, you know, I wish they had had that around five, oh, five years ago. Would have helped so much. But, um, yeah, no, it's been fantastic. So I've got that printed and popped in my binder and I've highlighted and tagged all the, all the important parts of it so I can go back to it all the time. Um, there's a diary in there. So whenever I have meetings with the girls or even just discussions or if I've completed something throughout the day that is kind of, you know, working towards Mm. that whole educational leader role, it gives me a spot to jot down those notes as, you know, evidence of what I'm sort of working towards. Yep. And I guess being organized for your non-contact time. So I guess, you know, Steph gets two hours non-contact time a week, uh, You know, I've been in experiences before where I've also had two hours non contact time a week. And as you know, there's never enough hours to get our jobs done. So I would make sure that before I go into my non contact time, everything is organized, ready to go. So I know exactly what I'm going to complete in that time. That does sometimes mean, you know, a few bits and pieces being worked on outside of work hours. But in order for me to, you know, be really good at my job, it sometimes does take that. And, you know, once you've done it for a little while you do get into a bit of a bit of a routine as yeah. to how it all works. So yeah, get it get a binder. Put everything in one spot. It's always with you. You can take it home, have it at work, share it with people as they need to. Yeah. Sounds like it's really all about
1: hard. organization it and is, time management.
0: Well, with four classrooms, that's and it's so diverse the age groups as well. Mm. You know, I spend the amount of time I might spend with the zero to two room yeah, could be very different to what I spend with the preschool room because of who's in the classroom or how their teaching strategies are or, you know, what their experiences have been. So yeah, being organised – has made the world of a difference.
1: So I think also when I'm listening, you're also saying that you need to have a very good understanding about your educators within the service as well yep. and how they work.
0: Yeah, uh-huh. yeah, definitely a hundred percent. And like, you know, taking the time to get to know how they learn. You yep. know, some educators might be really quick at picking things up. You know, like that. Yeah. Others might need that little bit longer. More of a visual. I know for me. Mm a video or a podcast, you know, I pick things up a lot quicker than reading a book. Unfortunately, that's just how I have been fine-tuned. But I know that, (laughs) yeah, other educators are similar. So I really – you have to be able to change your teaching strategy to benefit individuals. It's not just going to be the same for everybody. You can't just get up at a staff meeting and show Mm. a PowerPoint presentation and hope that everyone – understands what you're saying you've really got to make it specific to to different educators so yeah
1: that's kind of
0: what's helped me with managing everything week to week
1: perfect Well, thanks Steph for sending that one in (laughs) thanks Steph I hope it helps
0: (laughs) (laughs) okay so our next question is from Nat in Victoria and she asks how do you make sure your staff are continuously working towards Achieving the
1: exceeding rating? Oh, good question. <laughs> um, oh, where do I start? Yeah, it's a tricky one. I know. All right. Well, I think one of the main points is the quality improvement plan. Yeah. Um, and I think it's really important for everyone to be a part of the process. Yeah. So something that I did was when we started doing the quality improvement plan, I got all of the room leaders together. Yep. And we went through and discuss, had a really good discussion on where we felt that all of the rooms needed improvement on. Yeah. And we jotted all those down on the on the quip. And then we had a staff meeting. And in the staff meeting, we spoke about the areas within the quip that we had picked that we needed to work towards. And then we got all of the staff together and created a really good open discussion about what we were going to do as a team to work towards those areas yep. Yep. so that we could meet the exceeding themes, yeah. which was absolutely fantastic. yeah, um, And it really made, because everyone was a part of it, it made everybody want to work towards. Yep. And it got everyone excited For as sure. well. So and it's
0: important too because I think as educators move through their different roles, like if I had have had more of a thorough understanding of the NQS and the Quip years ago yeah, and been more involved in that process, I think it would have just helped me as an educator even more. And that's what I think we stress now to the educators is like, yeah. hey, you need to know this so that if you do move into a room leader role or you do move into a director's role down the track, this is only going to benefit you more. Like you need to
1: know it. That's exactly right. The more that your educators know about yeah. the quality improvement plan, the better and the better understanding, the better they'll perform yep, as educators. Sure. Some of the other areas um, is your vision and your philosophy for yep. your service. Mm-hmm. You know, if everyone has input into the vision of the center and the philosophy, then you're all trying to work towards exactly the same goal. Yeah. Which means that you're all on the same page and you're, Yeah. Yeah, you know, you I know. don't think there more needs to be said about that, about the vision and philosophy. If you're all working towards the one goal, of course you're going to reach exactly where you want to reach. Yeah, no,
0: most definitely. Um,
1: I think having high standards. Yeah, I think everyone, like me being a director, I have high standards of my centre. Yeah, and I expect everybody to reach those high high standards. Yeah. So, but they they have a clear understanding of that because I've been honest about my expectations and my standards when they've come through and they've started with us. So through yeah. the orientation process, yeah, um, you know, where I've sat down with them and taken the time to set the scene and set the culture of the service. So that's another way. And I think also your regular sweet and sour meetings mm. so that that, educator or all your educators feel valued you're meeting up with them every six to eight weeks and having those conversations how are you going what do you need support with where can i help you as so that your meeting exceeding within yep. the service yeah and then of course you've got your yearly appraisals yeah it all really
0: helps and then in those in those meetings you can chat about the center as a whole too and how they're mm. contributing to to the quality so
1: Yep, definitely. And, you know, through these meetings that you're having, your sweet and sours and your yearly appraisals, I think that really also shows your educators that you actually do know them and yeah. you know where they're up to and you see things. Yeah.
0: Well, we I know we always kind of compare our different experiences and different places that we've worked. And, you know, I find currently now having known how helpful it's been having Mm. those meetings so regularly and getting to know my team in a different way rather than just you know having a staff meeting every month and like you're not really networking you're always with the kids and it's always really challenging getting to know them on a teacher to teacher level now having the opportunity to do that because that's right it's such a high priority it's made such a difference we're able to work on educator's strengths Mm. rather than making people do things that they might not be so comfortable in doing for example you know being a sustainability support person and they really just have no idea about sustainability yep um through those sweet and sour meetings and you know making sure that you know your staff you can focus on their strengths
1: which will then bring them to an exceeding level. Yeah, and the whole service benefits from it. So. That's it. And, you know, with, with your staff meetings, ask those questions that you have in your quip. All right, guys, you know, how have you worked towards quality area number one um, yeah. in the past couple of months? Yeah. What kind of things can we add on to the quip? Where yeah. do you think we need to improve that a little bit more? Has an area been left behind? Yeah. What do we need to focus more on? Yeah, yeah that's right. Sure. No, I think that's how you work towards achieving an exceeding level well, within your service. Hopefully that helps Nat a little bit too.
0: Fingers crossed.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh, I really like this question. Oh, Tracy in New South Wales asks How do you capture children's voice in a baby's room? Oh, it's difficult. I think it's
0: a lot of professional development and research Mm -hmm. as to how you can do it in a very respectful way. But a couple of things that we've implemented over the past few months um, has been recording videos. So the platform that we use within our service helps us to Mm. record videos and communicate with families throughout the day. So being able to capture video footage of the younger children helps because I guess you can't always quote them no, <laughs> in writing. So being able to capture a video or even just a voice recording of them singing or talking has been really nice. Even their,
1: like the little babble makes that they make, like that's yes. their language. And through those videos, you're able to see their expression plus what they're saying to yeah. you, which obviously is a way of them communicating. Yeah. And you kind of being able to understand what, what they're wanting and what they're trying to say.
0: Yeah, times have changed so yeah. much. Like I remember you know, five or so years ago you would take a few photos during the day and we would, you know, paste it into our book and families would see that of an afternoon where now we're fortunate enough to use a platform where everything is so instant and I know it's such a divided topic and some people agree with it and some people don't, but to just have seen the progression and the appreciation for what we do that much more now Mm. because parents are just seeing it from such a different angle um yeah it's been really nice so definitely the videos and just being conscious of how we take photos you know Mm. we try to take photos not just of the children participating but you know what they've actually done you know we take photos of their artworks or you know their messy hands when they've finished painting and you know them pinning the painting up on the wall and all of that type of stuff so oh,
1: one of the things that I really love that you guys have kind of implemented in your nursery room at mm-hmm. the moment is that you're actually letting the children have a take of the camera yeah. and you've put it into video and the, the child or he's actually holding the camera and videoing at their own level that's yeah. gorgeous yeah it's pretty funny
0: Yeah, one time we found a video and it went for like six or seven minutes long (laughs) and they had dropped it in the cubby house and we were looking for it and you can hear everyone saying, where's the camera? Where did you put the camera? And the kids are like playing and hiding in the cubby house. It was really funny. But uh, we shared it with families and they love it, you know. It's been really fantastic. So that's one way. Um, Another way that we really value children's voice in our space is – using baby sign.
1: Oh, I love this. Yeah. And the positive feedback from parents has been incredible. Oh, tell me about it. It
0: was something so simple and stemmed from us finding the communication aspect really challenging. So obviously, as you get to know children, you become so fam- familiar with their own cues. But starting care with us, mm. it, was, um, it was difficult. So we really wanted to make sure that, we were respecting children and their choices and, you know, fostering their sense of agency. So implementing baby sign language um, really helped with that. We started off with just very simple gestures mm-hmm. and there's a number of apps and online sources. We can share them on our Facebook page this week yep. uh, that can help you. But we used signs like wash hands, mm-hmm. all finished is a really simple one for babies to use, Uh sleep drink eat more all of those really simple doing words yeah and it allowed children to really make choices about when they were finished their meals you know we had children that would just kind of throw their bowl on the floor and that was how <laughs> they indicated us to that they were finished where now they will sign to us that they are finished. And it's just made the world of a difference and it really shows how we're valuing their voice.
1: Yeah, um, Sounds like it's also helped the cleaning up process. It has. <laughs> it has. It has limited
0: tantrums, believe it or not. Like we really find that, you know, if children, if they're able to communicate what they want and what they need, they're not getting that frustration when that's right. they don't understand. So we've really had... You know, we still have tantrums, don't get me wrong, but they're limited compared to previous experiences I've had. That's
1: right. Well, children will always use the simplest form of communication. So if you're giving them another way to communicate, that's much easier than, for example, throwing a bowl on the floor. They're always going to use that. Just like when they start to learn to talk, once they're starting to learn to talk, they'll probably give up on doing the hand signs. But at least you've incorporated that in to give them that extra step up. And their face, when they see that we've understood them, Yes, (laughs) yes <laughs> is so like
0: you know they're just like oh you know what i'm saying to you so it really has been helpful so i definitely recommend that if you're working in a classroom where language isn't as fluent just yet mm. or even with children that you know where language isn't really at a stage where yep. they're able to communicate properly the sign language helps it really really does yep um another way I guess you know we we've, we've started displaying or we're being more conscious of yeah. where we're displaying children's artworks or art pieces mm-hmm. things that they've created you know we were getting into a habit of putting it up on shelves and putting it in frames around our room but it really wasn't at a space where the children could see it so we incorporated uh, cardboard boxes so we would just recycle our cardboard boxes and stick um their artworks and photos onto them which also allows the child to go back to it yeah as well yeah and they stack them up and they move them around the room Mm -hmm. and they can um yeah be engaged with their own art pieces revisit it we've had um a permanent art space put in our classroom now where children can go back where the babies can go back to it whenever they want rather than us kind of you know, setting up art activities throughout the day. So that has all come from, you know, their interest and what they've been engaged in. But, yeah, having the artworks down on their levels has really helped. Yep. Being conscious of where you're putting things around the room has made a difference. Yeah, one
1: thing that I noticed um, that I absolutely love, as soon as you walk into your room, you guys have paced – paced, sorry – stuck a road that you've done um, just around the corner. It's very cute and then you've got like different pictures of outdoor spaces.
0: Yeah we used pictures from, we took photos from around the communities like the local dog park and the tennis courts and we put them in frames around our little road map Mm. and it wraps around the corners of our classroom so we were trying to utilize space that previously wasn't really utilized but it's all at their level rather than up high where we would usually look and that was stemmed from a professional development you know we we were online doing a bit of a course and they had said you know before you post anything before you stick anything up sit on the floor if you cannot see it from a child's view don't bother like it shouldn't be up there so
1: but i've also noticed and i'll call this child tommy Mm-hmm. Um, one of the things since you've put that little road map up and there's pictures of the community little Tommy will come up and actually point to yeah. those pictures because it's something that little Tommy actually he walks gets walked to school every day yep. and little Tommy goes past these things so he points to them so yep. there there it is the child's voice right there yeah
0: it really does prevent it so it's made the world of a difference so hopefully mm-hmm. those strategies help Tracy maybe you can implement some of them in your classroom let us
1: know how it goes yeah
0: all right renee your next question is from vanessa in queensland and she asks how do you deal with a parent complaint
1: oh <laughs> no, one parent complaint. no one wants a parent everyone complaint everyone likes to live in the bubble of that everything's running perfectly yep but of course we all know that that's not a not it. No. Like, there's always something that's going to come up where yeah. a parent's going to be upset, but sure. and, and that's okay. Of course. One thing to always recognize is that it is okay for a parent to come and want to have a chat with you about something that they feel isn't going right. Yeah, definitely. So number one, definitely make sure that um you understand that. Yeah, and you need to be approachable and open, and that's you know it. be willing to hear things like that. Otherwise. Yep. So, Because it, it's really important that the parent, all parents, yeah. feel heard. Yeah. Because this is their child. Yeah, I know. Like, it's important. So, yeah. set up a meeting with that parent. Yep. That's the first thing you do. Give them a call or if they're already at the centre, let them speak to you. Let them know that they're being heard. And organise a time to have a meeting so that that parent knows that everything they're saying is important to you. Yep. And you don't want to just have a me- meeting on a whim You want to prepare yourself because what they're saying is really important to you. Yeah, for sure. So set up a meeting with no distractions and then I think prepare yourself for the meeting. Mm -hmm. So this might be through outsourcing information through your local community like you know example if it's got something to do they're concerned with their child's speech and the yep. way that it's being dealt with at the center maybe you will outsource a speech therapist and yep. have a conversation with them for to sure. make sure that you've got all that kind of information there yep. and just also finding other you know it might be a behavior issue yep. um, that another child has kept keeps biting their child yeah so finding documentation that's going to support what you're going to let them know for sure Um, I think if you're going to have the room leader there, I personally will always have the room leader of whatever room that child is in, in, in on the meeting, um, because they're an important part of the process and their parent needs to know that, you know, it is a team environment and that you both care about their child and what's about to happen. Most definitely. Um, And you need to prepare. So have a meeting with the room leader as well before the meeting with the parent. So I always say if you're going to have a meeting with a parent, do it a couple of days after so that you have time to do all this preparation and prepare the room leader for the questions that might come up and how we're going to answer them so that you have that plan of action ready before you head into it. Um, There is nothing worse than going into a meeting And not having any preparation done because how are you going to support that parent? Of course. Um, And that's kind of what
0: it comes down to. Like you said, you know, it's their child. Yeah. It's their child and they want to know that they're getting quality care when they're with us. And I think, you know, educators are just so passionate and driven and, you know, we know how much time and effort is put into our you know, our teaching day to day, sometimes when you do hear a parent complain, you think, oh, if only you knew what my day has been like and now you're going to complain about something else. But they don't (laughs) know. But they don't know. So like you said, it's super
1: important. And to them, it's about their child and that is completely valid. That's right. Anything a parent comes and brings to your attention is completely valid and you need to really understand that. That is their child. Yeah. And they are the advocate for their child, yeah. so it's really important. I can't express how important that is. Yeah, definitely. Um, oh my goodness, it's bucketing down. <laughs> I know. It's raining Can you hear so the hard. We're sorry. <laughs> um, I think it's really important that when you're in the meeting, do not get defensive. No. Okay, it is not a time to get defensive. It is not about you. Yeah. It is about the child. So yes. don't get defensive. Um, on the day. On the meeting day, make sure that you've created a really relaxed environment. Yep. Uh, Offer coffee, tea, biscuits. As I said, this parent is important. Yeah. Um, So have all those things. Welcome the parent in. Thank you so much for coming and taking the time out of your day to come and discuss with us on how we're going to support you. Yep. Listen and respond. Listen and respond. So as in really hear what they have to say. Yeah. Um, then come up with a plan together. Yeah. How we what what actions are you going to put in place? Yeah, they wanna to see yeah, they
0: wanna see action. They wanna see that what they've said and spoken about is, is valued. That's right. Yeah, and changes will be made.
1: Yeah, finish once you've had those discussions, you've come up with a plan of action, you know exactly what's going to happen next. Yep. Finish the meeting, thank them again for coming in, and then follow up with an email. Make sure that email's sent to them within, by the end of that day. Yep. Um, And email them with notes from the meeting, and again, email them with the plan of action that you've got in place. Yep. Then I would say, in a couple of weeks, um, follow up with the family, see how things are going, see how they're feeling after yep. the meeting. Yep. Um, any recommendations they might have to the action plan you've already got in place. And just let them know, yeah, I guess how everything's going at the center, what, center, and yeah. yeah, what you've done, and then probably I would want to meet up with them again within a couple of months. Yeah. So even the first month, you know, that's four weeks that have gone by. Yeah. So maybe meet meet up with them again, arrange a nice relaxed environment, and, and things you know, can
0: happen in that time. That's like right. for example, you know, their child might transition classrooms, or it might be you know christmas and they've gone on holidays and there's a new staff member mm-hmm. in the room and they want to make, you want to make sure that everything has been communicated and is yep. being followed on
1: and yeah so definitely have that second follow-up meeting yeah. and try to make it within a reasonable time. Three yeah. months is way too long. Yeah. Two months yeah. is pretty pretty good. Like that's eight weeks. Um, but I think in the first, if you can do it within four weeks, just a small meeting to work out. Yeah. It doesn't have to be a sit-down meeting. Yeah, a phone um, I prefer... I prefer that way because yeah. it shows them how valued they are. But yeah. some parents don't have the time. So just, yeah, yeah as okay. Sam was saying, a phone call. Yeah. Um, and, but taking that time out of the classroom to have that phone call because that phone call may go for 30 minutes. Yeah, that's right. But, yeah, I reckon that's, oh, that's I right. know, covered I covered everything. I hope <laughs> so. Let us know if that's helpful at all. Yeah, but, um, yeah. So thank you so much to Vanessa. Yeah, awesome. All right, with that, I think it's time to get out of this wet weather, yeah. Sam. <laughs> we're sorry,
0: guys, if you couldn't hear us as well today, but hopefully the rain in the background is relaxing relaxing for you. Yeah. Um, it's a bit noisy and, yeah, I think we're going to go get snug at home. It's time to watch a movie. Movie day. Yep. Um, you've been listening with Sam. And Renee. And we are your everyday educators at Simmels. Thanks for tuning in.
1: Thanks, guys.